brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Now that was fun. That was more like it. I don't know why I'm playing the siren. It's because it sounds like something that would happen when you're about to, you're in danger. And Baylor was in danger in the second half. That that was a total fail. I, I tried. Are you guys proud of me for the for the effort, despite the fact that it was ass on the inside? No. Oh, all right. Fine, Landon. You know what? You take the intro. Okay, let's let's do it. Go ahead, buddy. Lead us off. Neither of those halves could be aired on network television, but I preferred the second half a lot more despite the increasingly graphic nature of it. That would have been so good had I not mumbled the last couple words. Yeah, it's not so Mm. easy, is is it? Hey, you guys here in a couple of weeks are going to have a Ryan-less show, so you have a couple of weeks to practice it. Uh, But you're going to get to recap a West Virginia game all by yourself. The the, the mom's going to leave the two kids home by themselves for the weekend. You guys excited? For the third time ever. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't done it in two years, so I'm a little nervous. I like, like, okay, I'm leaving, leaving my precious child in you guys' hands. Which is uh, speaking of precious and everything, how about the way Kansas played yesterday? Mainly in the second half because the first half was bad, and then I said on Twitter that it would be close. Everybody was like, no, it's not going to wind up being close, and they were correct. It wasn't close, but it wasn't. It, it was. In, it was in a good way, not in the damn it Bill. way, but in the. Because, wow, Kansas spotted Baylor 17 points, and then I need the the Wiley Coyote running really fast sound effect just sprinted right past them and uh, didn't look back on their way to a drubbing over a top-10 Baylor team. They're in first place in the Big 12, looking like they're in complete control, but no time to waste because Big Monday, the time you're listening to this, it'll be tonight, a huge road game at TCU. A win would essentially, it wouldn't mathematically do it, but by all measures, it would really make it hard for Kansas not to win at least a share of the Big 12. This is Inside the Paint on a late February Sunday. I'm Ryan Landreth. I am Scott Drew's legal father. <laughs> and uh, I am Bill Self. I forgot about our drops. Scott Drew is a boo. And like I think since we recorded that each year, Scott Drew has gotten better and better and we, he's probably a top 10 coach nationally. Oh, at least. Uh, and yeah, and maybe, maybe higher than that with what he's done there, but his team did not have what it took to hang with Kansas for 40 minutes, as we talked about. All right, let's blow the air horn and talk all about an exciting, wild Sonic blockbuster. <laughs> number nine, Baylor, 45. Number five, Kansas, 32. And then they started the second half, and uh, things got a whole lot better because after uh, 20 straight minutes of running away, 
Number five, Kansas, 87. Number nine, Baylor, 71. Holy moly, a plus 29 second half. It lifts Kansas from minus 13 to plus 16 in 20 minutes. Maybe the most impressive half of basketball that we have seen this Kansas team have since the Miami second half to go to the Final Four last year. Bill Self actually likened it to that half but said this one may have been better because this Baylor team is much better than that Miami team was. All right, Landon, normally we have a long game story to read, but there really isn't much. There wasn't a lot of back and forth here. It was bad, then good. That was the game story. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Bailey led 40-23 to 23 in the first half. From that point on, Kansas outscored them 64-31 to 31 over the last 23 minutes of the game. Uh, like, I, I mean, they were basically the same half, just completely flipped 100-0. Um, in the other team's favor, and also one of them was much more dominant somehow than the other. Uh, one of the more wild games I've seen Kansas play, probably, especially considering the opponent, uh, that's also one of the most dominant single halves I think I've ever seen them have. So, Nick, I know that you empathize with me because you've walked away from Twitter, you're ahead of the curve, just because of its toxicity, and it's a mess. Um... I don't get too bothered by what people say to me on Twitter because I'm aware when you run an account that posts opinions over things that make people as passionate as sports do, you're going to get your fair share of people that you're like, all right, I'll just throw a quick block on this one. Uh, but but about Twitter fans, when Kansas falls behind, and I'm not talking about they were, they were down 17, the game was like 20 to 14, and I had people on in my mention saying this game is over, this team is soft, Dewan Harris is a D2 point guard, Kevin McCuller sucks, all of this stuff whenever they're having a bad 15 minutes. What is it going to take? For people to stop throwing the towel in when Kansas falls behind by a few points at Allen Fieldhouse. How do these fans not know what happens most of the time they fall behind early? I know. My dad did, like, the exact same thing when... And again, <laughs> it wasn't at the 17-point thing either. It was, like, 13 at the time, which is still bad, and Kansas did not look good. But, like, how many times do you have to see it in a single season? 17 to, to losses be, in 20 years this man has lost at home. They have a winning record by, like, 30 games when they are trailing at halftime at home. Like, it's unbelievable. Nick, what are your thoughts? Because I know that you, you have to kind of feel the same. I want to know what it's going to take. What does Kansas have to do for fans to not throw the towel on whenever they have a bad start to a game? Never lose again. Yep. Yeah. Um, never trail again, I think, would be the answer to that. <laughs> but, I mean... <laughs> It's it, people are reactionary. Um, I do it in a joking manner. You know, I like mocking KU fans. I always say they're this game's over. I didn't actually mean it yesterday, by the way. Um, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, you look at you look at you look at KU fans, and it's like, man, um, maybe you should just del delete your account, sign out of your Twitter account, have your wife take your phone. Um, you know, certainly we know what, we have a few friends that we've we've said that that should happen to before. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, you, you gotta put you you gotta stop tweeting out out there. Maybe just take a break from social media if you're if you're so uh, reactionary about KU trailing by 13 points at halftime, or even if it bothers you that much to, to tweet about it and be upset about it and call guys a D2 point guard. Um, I don't know bad look yeah because i guess i thought after winning a championship things would dial down a little bit 
Uh, but, like, similar to what happened with the Chiefs when they finally won one, I think that almost made everybody greedier. Now they got a taste of what it's like, and now they won it all the time. And Kansas, even had they lost this game, is right on the cusp of being a one seed. They probably would have been a top two seed, uh, as in a as in a, a high number two seed in this uh, in the tournament projections had they lost this game to a top ten team that we were all we all think I think no doubt we just watched the best two teams in the Big Twelve and I think we may have just watched two of the best three four teams in all of college basketball. If you lose to that team, or and forget losing that team, we're talking about a bad 10 minutes against this team, and that's enough to make people lose their minds, like, and also what you said, if you're that emotionally invested where you let things ruin your day, we are passionate about, we are as passionate about sports as anybody out there, but it can't ruin your day, because you can't control it. DeWan Harris can be bad for 10 minutes, and Kevin McCuller can airball threes in the corner. If that's ruining your day, you gotta back off a little bit. But because you're a Kansas fan, you have your day ruined by this team so few times that I don't think it ever really rings a bell. Like, whenever we, like, imagine how people like Kansas State or Missouri fans feel when a five seed is a spectacular year for them. And if Kansas was a five seed, I mean, geez, I think that we may have to take have a shelter in place from how all the all the grenades that would be going off in houses of Kansas fans at that point. All right, let's talk about this game because it was a great one. Here's a stat from one of the better Twitter follows. If you're a KU fan, fan at Kevin Flaherty247, one of the 24-7 beat writers for Kansas. The national leader in points per possession this season in all of college basketball is averaging 1.18 points per possession on offense. Then you take the national leader in defense, and they are allowing 0.849 points per possession. That's the best team in all of basketball. Kansas in the second half, 1.72 points per possession on offense. Their defense allowed 0.743. It was as well as the team could play. Uh, Landon, what are your thoughts about uh, about just this performance and what you learned about this team from dropping a hammer on a top 10 squad? It's it's a similar... This team is starting to have a similar identity to last year's, and that is resilience. That is, I think, the defining word that I, I gave last year's team after winning the national title. They were resilient. This team has a very similar streak in them. Now, of course, this game... Going from down 17 to winning by 16, of course, there is a little bit of, of flukiness, I think, as we're going to talk about, to the amount of the swing. Because, like I said, I mean, the game just flipped, like, a completely. It was it was wild to actually watch happen. Um, but this, this team will not let up. Uh, this team, when they're firing on all cylinders, as we have seen them definitely not do, and we have definitely seen them fire on all cylinders in the second half and in other games this season... Um, they are really, really, really freaking good guys. When they play to their to their potential, they won't lose, I don't think. Now, this team, their potential sometimes is harder to reach, or they're a little more inconsistent, but they also might be figuring everything out at the right time. I don't know. We're, we're going to see on that front. Um, but very, very pleased, of course, with how this team fought back. Man, they're deadly when they're on. Nick, what are your takeaways here? Yeah, what really stood out, stood out to me in this game particularly was not the fact they came back because that's obviously been set in stone. This team is much better in the second half for most of these games. What stood out to me in this game was that Kansas finally 
was able you'll, you'll hear the stats on Juan Harris you know scoring points and they never lose you'll hear stats on you know when certain guys play well but I, what, what really struck out to me yesterday was just overall I, we've been progressing into this point where you know we talk about how well the the ball has been moving and how great ball movement Kansas has had and, and just the unselfish play but I really think that run catapulted in the second half because of the unselfish play and the passes. You can talk about Baylor's defense not being great, but Kansas really did move the ball quickly and in those transition plays, get the ball down the floor in about two or three dribbles, two or three seconds, and get a shot up. Um, wide open looks. You know, when those are falling for Grady Dick, it's great. When those are falling for Kevin McCuller, it's great. You know, when Dewan Harris is taking layups, it's great. All those combined, it really felt like, as we've started to see in this last you know, four-game winning streak, things are starting to combine where all of these guys are taking their best shots um, and they're making plays um, at the same time. So I think, like you said, uh, to Ryan's point, I think the team is, is finally starting to come together at the right time offensively. Uh, defensively, we know they've been great, but I think the, the, the pieces are just getting there offensively as to where they might have a cold shooting night, but they're always making the best passes and best cuts to get them the best possible chance at points, particularly with those high percentage shots that they get in the paint with, you know, KJ Adams, Ernest Uday going up for dunks, and then Dewan Harris getting those cool layups. My hot take about this game is that I don't think Baylor played any better slash worse in either half. I think they were the exact same team in both halves. The first half, those crazy threes went down, and the second half, they did not. Uh, they did get a little rattled, and in the first few minutes of the second half, we saw more turnovers than we typically see from them, but uh, they also turned the ball over a lot to start this game, or to start the first half as well. Uh, I think Kansas's adjustments are being a little overrated. Uh, everybody acts like that the defense upped the intensity. They did. They guarded better, but I don't think Baylor played any worse in the second half than the first half. They just, they didn't make the shots. And Kansas, the offensive adjustments, now that obviously was very legitimate because they found all sorts of situations to score. They got so many buckets at the rim. They were converting their transition opportunities, which is what they weren't doing in the first half. See Jalen Wilson missing the most easy layup he's ever going to have. Uh, and the second half was just a clinic. I mean, it's why Bill Self is so good. Uh, you, you talked about resiliency, Land, and this is this is what Kansas has always done. They've always been known for their comebacks. They obviously are fantastic at home. And whenever you have a team that that really truly believes they're never out of it, and then you got so many guys on this roster that found that that's the case in the national championship on the biggest stage of any of them. They were down 15 and came back and won. You got a really really unkillable opponent, which should just that that's why they win all these games because you absolutely cannot kill them. They always think they have a chance to win. And based on the Allen Fieldhouse comebacks, we've seen double digit second half comebacks now against Baylor, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. I mean, you're tied in a conference race, and you've won three games where you were absolutely all set mathematically destined to lose. And that's that's how Kansas is. They separate from the the other teams that they're competing with. Uh, is that a is that a weird take that Baylor really didn't play very different in the second half? They just missed a bunch of shots because wow, were they impressive in the first half with those going down? I think there were small differences. Like, I think Kansas's intensity went up. I think their locked-inness, for lack of a better term, on defense went, in, or went up a little bit. But, no, I don't think either team, honestly, did play particularly different. I think Kansas just played a little more intentionally. Baylor maybe settled for some of the threes that were dropping in the first half. Um, but otherwise, yeah, that was about it. Like, otherwise, both teams played about the same, and Kansas just got all... They did everything right, and Baylor, Baylor couldn't get anything to go. 
I guess, yeah, we didn't even talk about this, Landon. Welcome back to the show. You missed the last two. You were at a wedding, and then we don't know what you were doing on the last show. How'd that go? And what if has <laughs> Nick is bringing back, taking us down memory lane with some of the pictures that are popping in the notes here. Um, what, what have you been doing the last two shows? We missed you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was at a wedding in Michigan. That was a lot of fun. Got to see some friends, watch the Super Bowl uh, with some friends I don't get to hang out with very often anymore. So that was cool. Uh, and then last show, uh, I just got home later from my church group than I thought I was going to. And then church group, you guys thought you were going to record. And then <laughs> oh, I left my Friday phone in the other night. room. And then Ryan texted me and was like, hey, do you still want to do it? And I was like, oh, it's like quarter to ten now. Um, <laughs> and then you guys did it on Friday when I was also busy with another church thing. <laughs> yep. So we were we were very, uh, yeah. It, Nick Nick had down the fort. He's catching up to you on the all-time uh, show list, which should make you a little bit nervous. Uh, you're going to lose Ooh. your stranglehold. I know. It's, it comes with a, it doesn't come with a pay raise, in case you were wondering. Um, okay, wow. Nick, let's well, talk about... Well, it doesn't come with a pay decrease either, so... That, that's true. It's a, you're making 100% of what you do right now if you, uh, if you fall down to third place there. Okay, Nick, let's talk about... Uh, it, there's a lot of people that you could talk about. The, the, you know, this game really was a... Whopper, 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 whopper. Of, a, of a performance but let's talk about the guy that led the show because as we have seen so many times when KU is playing the marquee opponents uh, this one guy really steps up and leads the show yeah that would be uh, Joe Yesfu just kidding <laughs> uh, leading the show for Kansas was Jalen Wilson who led the Jayhawks both in points and rebounds 21 and 13 respectively 6 for 16 from the floor 6 of 10 efficiently on twos, 0 for 5 from 3, but he was 9 for 10 at the line in 37 minutes. As he has done so many times throughout his career, he brought his best against the top shelf opponent. He was fantastic. It was neat that his mom was in the stands and they were talking to her right whenever they were making their big comeback. A handful of KU moms were, were in the crowd, and Kansas was making a lot of baskets whenever they were talking. Uh, whenever Holly Rowe was talking to them, so so I guess we need more moms. That's that's the that's the the lesson to be learned here. Wilson was terrific. He's been terrific. <laughs> that's the one I was looking for. I was looking for that. In some of our old notes. <laughs> that's such a good good Photoshop that would make us put it in the notes. Um, but Jalen Wilson was just simply fantastic. This he, we talked at the beginning of the year. In order for this team to be really good and have Final Four aspirations, they would need Jalen Wilson to be All American good. And I almost want to say he's been better than All-American good. He's second in the National Player of the Year race, I think a lot of people would say right now. Uh, if it weren't for Zach Eady having one of the greatest seasons that a college big has ever had, Jalen Wilson would be right there for National Player of the Year. Just just such a fantastic season he's had, Landon. And I don't think that even the most optimist, even the most optimistic of any KU fans could have anticipated through about 30 games Jalen Wilson averaging 20-8. and eight. No, I, I certainly don't think so. I think we all thought he was going to have a good season. Um, I yeah, thought he'd I mean, be the first team but didn't expect this. Right, yeah. I mean, even that was not a, a particularly hot take. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, he has been genuinely, like, top three player, top two player in America uh, good this season, and we did not expect that. He has been absolutely sublime all season. Obviously, he's had a couple ups and downs, little ones, but generally he has been uh, he's been what has made Kansas go, even on nights where they've gotten blasted, like TCU uh, in Allen. Uh, he scored half their points uh, and was was electric even in defeat. So he's he's definitely been the catalyst for everything for the Jayhawks, um, and I don't I don't think that's going to stop, even if he continues to be slightly less efficient than we want. Uh, he is going to be the leader of this team. 
Yeah, he is He is uh, everything that you could ever want in a college player. He's good at everything. Great scorer, great rebounder, great passer. He's the best. He, I, I don't know if I have seen, in my time watching Kansas basketball, if I have seen a better leader, somebody who gets this team fired up. You can tell he takes that on his own shoulders when they are struggling or whenever they need to, to, they need to find that second gear. He's always the one that's talking to the team in the huddle and, and getting everybody ready to go. Uh, he his intangibles are great. He plays his best against the best teams on the schedule. And whenever he's got national champion on his resume, he's seen everything. He's played in every, in every game you can possibly play in. When you got a guy like that leading your team, you can win any game, any place against any opponent. And I mean, it's it's amazing to me what he has become from a guy that we wondered if he would transfer after a rough freshman year where he got hurt. And then the DUI happens about halfway through his college career, and you you wonder about his personal decisions and where he's at mentally uh, for something like that to happen, to turn into one of the greatest players in the Bill Self era, and truly one of the most likable and easy to follow uh, professional or college athletes that have walked through the halls of Allen Fieldhouse. Just a tremendous basketball career for Jalen Wilson. Uh, and as we're we're heading down to the end, we're down to the last you know 12, 13 games. Hopefully, uh, they get that many of Jalen Wilson's Kansans career. These type of players don't come along nearly as often as you'd like them to. So enjoy every second of what has been a fantastic career. Uh, I ne- the next thing in the notes was to talk about KU fans who can be <coughs> sometimes. Uh, but we kind of already did that. And then just remember, whenever you have Kansas and Bill Self, you're probably going to win a game, even if it doesn't look like you will. So, you know, keep your, keep your, uh, keep your pants on. Uh, but let's talk about KJ Or take Adams. them off at the end of the game when they do win. That's true. Whenever they play like this, I think everybody in Lawrence had their pants off following that second half. Uh, but we should talk about the bigs. Landon, I guess we should talk about K.J. Adams because uh, he was, he just like Jalen Wilson, fantastic. Yeah, he really was. He was the most efficient Jayhawk on the floor. He scored 17 points on just six shots, five of six from the floor in a season high, 34 minutes. I would have lost that bet if you would have told me what what is uh, his season high in minutes. I would have thought more than 34, but not so much. Uh, he was 7 of 9 at the free throw line, which has been a huge boost for KJ Adams this season. Really nice to have him be at least even a competent free throw shooter and on some nights a outright good one. Uh, four rebounds and three assists for him as well. Also a very good passer uh, as he's been all season. Uh, we've compared him to some undersized but athletic bigs uh, that Baylor has started in the past. Uh, so it makes sense that this is a matchup that he really showed out in. We saw Kansas get crushed on the offensive glass by Baylor. Really, despite outplaying them in a handful of different statistics, that's why they lost the game in Waco. They could not they, they could not get defensive rebounds. Same thing in the first half here. Even though I think the first half was a little flukier, we saw Joe Yesifu and Grady Dick slam into each other, and it resulted in, in Adam Flagler get, letting a ball land right in his lap, and then he made a three out of it. We saw an unlucky out-of-bounds break. There were Kansas clearly had it, but it just happened to go out of bounds, and then Baylor got a, a three-pointer off that. So I thought it was better, but the second half, led by K.J. Adams, they held Baylor to one shot per possession, and it just makes it so difficult to, to put together a comeback, especially in a place like Allen Fieldhouse whenever you're, you're being held to one shot per possession. A complete flip in the first half when Kansas was one shot per possession, and uh, then everything turned very, very quickly. Uh, Nick, unless you have anything else to say about K.J. Adams, who has had a terrific year and was terrific once again in this game, I guess we can go ahead and talk about the catalyst in KU's comeback, which is their point guard. 
Yeah, my favorite player, including last year's team, Dewan Harris, who was held scoreless <laughs> in the first half, but scored 14 after halftime. Harris finished 6 for 8 from the floor, had a 9 assists, just 1 turnover in 37 minutes. Uh, he actually had 2 turnovers. Harris is now shooting 41% on 2 3-point attempts per game this season. He's also scored at least 14 points in 4 of his last 6 games after doing that just once in the previous 16 games. Dewan Harris has 1 turnover according to ESPN's box score, but I mean, I guess if... Uh, I thought he had 2. No, it's, the official line was 9 assists and 1 turnover. Wow, Dewan Harris, man. Landon, we talked at the beginning of the year. If Dewan Harris could just go from being a guy that scored five points a game to averaging around 10, Kansas's offense would be so good. Well, Dewan Harris is scoring more, and uh, Dewan Harris, they, they, they aren't losing when Dewan Harris scores. No, they are not. I, I think that has definitely stood the test um, and is very evident in this stat that Kansas is 20-0 and when Dewan Harris scores at least 10 points. But something that's actually a little crazier to me um, is that this season, I didn't know this until yesterday when it got it got passed around a little bit, they are undefeated this year. That's 21-0 when he scores at least three. Three points. All he's got to do is score three points in KU's won every game. Uh, that is uh, 21-0 when he does and 1-5 and when he doesn't. There is never going to be a more glaring, easy-to-understand statistic that shows the importance of Dewan Harris scoring the ball and here's the weird part. Nick, I think we kind of talked about this, but he's good at it. It's not like we were talking about a guy that shoots 25% from the floor hoping that he would pull something out of his butt and turn it into 10 points. Dewan Harris has always been a good shooting percentage player, and he's always been able to, it seems like whenever he actually tries to attack the basket, that little hook shot and the driving layup he does, he's been good at it. It's just a matter of when he does it. That it's, it hasn't been enough at times that they've lost. Dewan Harris is the best point guard defensively in the Big 12 already. Just imagine how lethal he is whenever he consistently looks to score. A-plus game from him, right? You have you. What were the things that you noticed about what he was doing in the second half that helped Will KU back? Um, I, mean, I mean, just like... Sorry, I was just going to say the reverse layup, stu- layup stuck out. I know he's a great driver, and he's great at making plays in the basket. Usually it's those lobs, but he was he was really good at finishing at the rim early in the second half. What do you want to say, Landon? No, uh, yeah, the lobs were really nice. Uh, the pass ahead to KJ Adams that led to a dunk was was real sexy. Uh, both of made threes were huge and obviously helped to swing the momentum. No, I, I agree, Ryan. A-plus performance from him. Uh, spectacular. Let's talk about Grady Dick, who had 16 points in 36, 36 minutes on a big volume. Took 18 shots. This is the game we've all been wanting to see him uh, launch. Just keep shooting the ball. Six for 18 from the floor. Two for nine from three, four for nine from two. Uh, Grady Dick did hit the shot that put KU ahead for good during their initial run to open the second half. And I'm not sure I've seen a player that whenever he makes big threes, Allen Fieldhouse explodes as consistently as Grady Dick because that roof was going to blow off that place whenever he hit the go-ahead basket. Uh, What do we make of 18 shots? I assume based on what we've all said, good. We want him shooting a lot. I don't know how many times I want to see him go to of nine from three when he's done that several times this season. Obviously, I'm not going to yell at Grady Dick for taking open threes. Um, but, you know, maybe look for a couple extra open shots when you're two of nine. Uh, generally speaking, though, yeah, not not real mad at it. Nick? 
Yeah, I agree with you. See, I, I I disagree a little bit because the threes he were taking he was taking were open. I don't remember a single three that he took where I was like, oh, I don't want him shooting that. Even if he's two for nine, a Grady Dick pretty open three is one of the best looks that Kansas is going to get. What do you want him to do? Move the ball around for 25 seconds just to get a shot that's almost as good? I, I'd love to see him shooting nine. I, I'd rather him go two for nine than two for three because I don't think he's going to go just two for nine every time he takes nine shots. No, probably not, but he has gone like 2 of 7, 2 of 8, 2 of 9 like four or five times this season. Yeah, you're right. It has happened quite a bit recently too. Uh, but at the same time, he's the sort of guy that every time he shoots, I think it's going in, right? You guys feel that. If it's two for, if he's 2 for 9, when he launches a semi-open 3, I, mean, I think it's going in. I'm hopeful, but I've seen him go 2 of 8, 2 of 9 a handful of times now, so I wait for it to go in to, to think it will. And, I mean, it was it was evident. Most of those misses were in the first half. They were really trying to get him going. He had a couple of near makes, balls that bounced in around and out uh, before ultimately uh, not not going through the net. So, yeah, I, I'm okay with Grady Dick shooting 18 times. If I, I think if he takes 18 shots per game, I think he's going to make more than six uh, way more often than he doesn't. So he can't shoot too much for my liking. He really can't. Let's talk a little bit about Baylor specifically. Are the Bears, the Jayhawks, most competitive active rivalry? Kansas is 6-5, and five, so the teams entering yesterday had played even over their previous uh, five and a half years or four and a half years, whatever that entails. 6-5 and five in their last 11 matchups with the Bears. However, Kansas has returned to an old tradition of blowing the Bears out at home. Third year in a row that we've seen a top 10 Baylor team come into Allen Fieldhouse and walk out as a loser by double digits. Is this their best current rival? Nick, I think the answer is pretty easy. Uh, certainly the argument, particularly in the 2020s, yes. Yeah, they are. They 100% are currently. Second best coach in the Big 12, right there with Kansas as far as who's been the better program in the last four or five years. Uh, yes, I think Baylor is Kansas's best current rival, and I want to see these teams play again. I want round three in Kansas City on a Saturday night. Baylor has never won the Big 12 tournament. They have as good a chance as anybody this year. I think we're looking at the best two teams in the Big 12 by a, by a decent amount. Texas goes to Baylor here in a week, and I predict that Baylor will win that game, and ultimately I think Kansas and Baylor will finish 1-2 and two in some order in the Big 12 final standings. I think we're looking at the best two teams in the Big 12, and I think you could make an argument that Kansas, Baylor, and throw Alabama in there, and you have the best three teams in all of college basketball. Uh, despite the fact that we used to make fun of their coach, they did lose by double digits at home. So it would it would not it, it would break tradition's sake if we didn't play this. Scott Drew is a boo. And I mean, did you guys hear? He he really is. You know, Scott Drew is a boo. Scott Drew really is a boo. Because I mean, did you guys catch his halftime interview? He is a whiny little dork. Uh, no, but I certainly know the reputation. He was whining about that. His team made nine threes in the first half. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the halftime interview was all about how Kansas got more calls. He did get a little bit of the Bruce Weber syndrome, I guess. But he's a brilliant basketball coach. And he's put together some fantastic teams as of late. All right, somebody read uh, Kevin McCuller. Let's talk about him. Kevin McCuller scored nine points, two of five from the floor. But he did have eight rebounds and two assists in his 29 minutes played. Uh, he went to the bench more than he typically does, and Bill Self said after the game that he's not 100%. But he was still really good defensively against LJ Cryer, especially in the second half, which was vital in helping Kansas turn the tide. As uh, there's a. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I at, got th him. at this point, just go ahead and finish it, Landon. That's too good. 
Yeah. Uh, well, there is a drive uh, into deep left field by Castellanos. So that'll be a home run. Uh, that'll make it a four-zero ball game. And this might be the last time I put on this headset. I was just saying we're actually wearing headsets, so I guess it works. And you guys both pride yourselves as men of faith, so I mean the whole thing I guess works. Look at that. And we are living more like a deep in drive into left that, field that by man was Grady talking Dick. About, so, and that'll be a, a, a eighty-seven to seventy-six ball game. <laughs> See, Nick does this thing where we have. It's usually me that I'll write all these nice, not even bullet points, but actual like what to read word for word. Just and then we'll have discussion points about it. And Nick will just add little hidden suspense or suspicious gems in the notes, hoping that we'll get so in the zone of reading that we won't even realize what we're reading. And it's resulted in at least a couple times where we've had to stop the show and go back and erase something offensive or explicit that one of us has just said because it's right in front of us as we're reading. And he ended up... I've never put any of that in the notes. I've put innocent fun. <laughs> well, one of us does, but I'm really not going to say That's a does. great one, Nick. What a, that's yeah, a good was, funny thing you just said. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen Nick do... The Castellanos thing? I know. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> Nick's done a handful of, of things that have made us laugh in the past, but that's, that's pretty good. McCuller was great. He, uh, he's not 100%. They absolutely have to have him. He's such a vital player defensively. Um, and the, the effort that he gives, he's got an argument for defensive player of the year in the conference. You just can't draw up a more Bill Self player, can you? Like I can't I can't think of a player that is more Bill Selfie than Kevin McCuller. Jamar Trailer, but that's the only one. There you go. McCuller's so much better though. Nick, we were we, we didn't really know <laughs> we didn't really know what to think whenever they added Kevin McCuller about what his impact on this team would actually be. Uh, but you gotta be pretty happy with your return on what they've gotten out of him uh, as we as we get to the most important time of the year, right? He's been a great acquisition. Absolutely, especially you know since all we had that all that criticism for him. Um, especially the Texas Tech game. You talk about, I know the announcers yesterday were talking about, you know, the Dewan Harris being rattled after getting hurt. Took a little bit of a while to shake off the cobwebs. Feel like the same thing for Kevin McCuller after the Texas Tech road game. He was not the same for about five games after that one, but then casually starts getting more comfortable back in his role again. Um, and he has been a great role player for KU. Like you said, great defense, been really good offensively, really quietly good offensively. A lot of that has to do with his ability to get to the line and make free throws. I still think it'd be a little bit better with those close-up layup shots. Seems like he misses a lot of those when he's going up and gets fouled, uh, which is, you know, it's it's, it's easy to be picky about that, but he has been, been great um, and been exactly what Kansas has needed to get on this little mini run they've had. Yeah, I think that's good analysis. I feel like entering the tournament, uh, we pretty much know what we're going to get out of Jalen Wilson. We like to think we know what we're going to get out of uh, Dewan Harris, and we know that Grady Dick is going to be hot some nights and cold some nights. Kevin McCuller is the X factor. They need consistently good play from Kevin McCuller. You know you're getting good scoring, but they can't afford Kevin McCuller to have a two points with four turnovers sort of game if they want to beat anybody but the 16 seed they're going to play in the first round. He may be their most important piece. I would I would argue that Dewan Harris is the most important piece on this team, but I also think Dewan Harris is a little bit more consistent with his offensive output than Kevin McCuller. McCuller is their biggest wild card heading into the NCAA tournament, and if he's good if you tell me right now that Kevin McCuller averages like 14 points and six rebounds and a couple assists per game I don't think there's any team out there that I'm betting on to go further in the tournament than Kansas he's the most important piece when it comes to needing that consistency because he's going to bring it on the defensive end if he can bring you offense steady offense they're going to be good to go well we don't really have a white guy of the game because Baylor doesn't have any but we absolutely have to talk about the whole damn first half 
which was just basically Keontae George playing NBA 2K with the sliders all the way down and launching from the beat yeah. on the Jayhawk. Holy moly, what a performance that was. Uh, what was the scene in you guys' house? W was there a lot of this? Nick, as someone uh, who plays with the sliders down a lot, uh, what did you think of that? <laughs> Are you accusing me of playing with the sliders down? Yeah, I'm accusing you of playing on rookie mode because I have <laughs> evidence. Uh, I don't really even play video games, so uh, irrelevant. But anyways, <laughs> I, I was, I was, I, I threw a big punch to my couch when he made the one to go up 17, where it was the, the foul. The on two. I was like, yeah. how does that go in? Yeah, how does that go in? Yeah, let's see here. So, Cryer made three after making five against Kansas and Waco, but they were all in the first half. I think he was three for four right out of the shoot. Keontae George made five. He hadn't made more than two in a game since January 17th. Then he comes out and it's four in the first half. All of them, by the way, for all the, the stupid nonsense in the Twitter mentions about how, well, maybe KU should guard the wide-open shooters me, 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 that I hear every time I post how Kansas is getting unlucky with three-pointers. Every single one of those Keontae George shots, you could not have guarded him better. Those were bombs from 30 feet away, and they kept going in the basket. But George, I'm going to give us some credit, not Landon, because he wasn't on the last show. But Nick and I both said, you know, all these Baylor players are battle-tested. Flagler, Cryer, they've played here. They know what Allen Fieldhouse is. They played on teams that have won national titles. You can't phase those guys. Keontae George is a freshman. He's never been to Allen Fieldhouse. He hasn't played the big-time games. He's a hell of a basketball player. Oh, my gosh, what I would do to have him on my favorite team. But he, we talked about, you may have the opportunity to rattle him a little bit before he gets comfortable. And they did. He had four turnovers in the first five minutes of the game. Well, then so much for that, because I'd say he looked plenty comfortable launching Steph Curry-like threes all half. But... He did finish with six turnovers. He hurt them in the second half. And, you know, wherever you have a... Keontae George is going to be a lottery pick. He is much better than Dewan Harris in a lot of ways. But if you have a Dewan Harris as your point guard, I'm not sure you get buried like that. Because I think having your leader be a guy who's been down that road before plays big dividends. George didn't know what to expect and ultimately tape it off. Landon, what was your reaction watching George Cryer and Flagler combine to make eight first half threes? And like the first 17 minutes, only three guys had scored for them. And they were still up 15. Well, that's actually what gave me a little bit of hope when you rely... Now... Again, these are three fantastic players that I would be happy to have any of uh, on, on my team any day. But when only three players are scoring for you, that leaves you very susceptible to droughts. We've seen that with Kansas this season when they've been over-reliant on a handful of guys scoring. And when you only get one of them to show up, the results usually are not very good. Um it was definitely frustrating. I wasn't overly emotional about it. I I didn't really know what else I expected. Um, I kind of figured they'd come in and hit shots because it's Kansas against good guards, and good guards hit a lot of threes against Kansas most of the time. Um, so I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't too taken aback by it. There were absolutely some absurd ones though. I think I just was laughing at a handful of them because they were just too much. It was, it was, uh, it, yeah, it, it, and the, the one that went in whenever he made the and one, yeah, I, I'm with Nick. That was the moment when I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these days, and then very quickly it wasn't. 
Uh, kind of wrapping up this these notes here of the bench, Bobby Pettiford and Ernest Uday Jr. both gave Kansas good minutes. Uh, they both scored five points. They were both two for two from the floor. Uday had a block and did not commit a foul in seven minutes, which I think is the most important thing to note of him uh, because he's going to get minutes going forth in all of Kansas's important games. He's the backup center now, and uh, he's the guy they go to whenever K.J. Adams isn't as effective as you'd like him to be on the defensive end. If he can just not foul every three minutes, you're going to be fine going forth. So that was good there. Pettiford had his best outing in a while as he'd been hurt and then comes out of nowhere and gives him 15 quality minutes, two assists. Uh, and he hit a three. three. Yeah, he did. He played really well. Joe Yesifu was tried by self early and did nothing, and he really didn't get any more opportunities the rest of the night. But I think all you need from Kansas is either Pettiford or Yesifu giving you quality minutes. Uh, and in this game, it was Pettiford, so he played and Yesifu didn't. Anything to say about these guys? I think Uday was impressive, even though the stats don't jump off the stat sheet at you. Uh, not fouling is a, is a big step in the right direction. He's a quality player for this team that's going to get big minutes. Uday does genuinely give me some young Doak vibes. Oh, for um, sure he does. As in, he just he dunks is, everything. Right, yeah. He is raw, but the talent is a thousand percent there. Um, He looks good. He looks like he's coming along. I, I'm really I'm really getting excited about that from that perspective. Um, Because that was a huge talking point. It's like, well, we know KJ is going to be pretty good most nights. Um, but then what else are you getting after that? Because you can't play him for 40 a night. Um, And Uday has come in and has been genuinely very solid uh in the last handful of, of performances so that's been really good to see um very happy with that but if the bench can even give you this kind of limited production but just give you solid minutes again kansas's ceiling uh and floor both raise and whenever i say k uh, that uh, Ernest is going to get big minutes i don't mean he's going to get 30 i mean he's going to get very important minutes because if Ernest uday's in the game then it's probably because of one of two reasons one, K.J. Adams is in foul trouble. Or two, K.J. Adams isn't being effective. So either of those things, you need a quality backup big to go in there and be a Band-Aid because you know what every team does. Oh, the starting center's out. We're going to go right at him. If Ernest Uday can be a rim protector, even as a, in a very low uh, quantity of minutes relative to what we'd like him to get the rest of his career, wow, does that make them better. And he can score the ball. This is not somebody who's like Bobby Pettiford that you go in there and you're like, oh, thank God he scored five points. Ernest Uday, you expect to get a couple dunks and a couple of free throws every time he goes out there. And Kansas doesn't need 40 bench points. If they can get seven from Uday and five from Yesifu, the difference that makes in this team's floor is just, it's exponential. It's huge. Uh, final notes, 51% from the floor, 29% from three. Kansas won this game despite being dramatically outshot at the three-point line. Uh, Baylor wound up making just four more than Kansas, but at one point it was eight at, at halftime. I think they'd made eight more threes. And 85% from the free throw line, that's always important if you're going to put together a comeback. And once again, Kansas checked that box just fine at the free throw line. Kansas was outscored by 12 on threes. There it is. And still won by 16 points. They were terrific. They get an A for this game after getting a D-plus first half. And actually, I don't even know if that's fair. I don't think Kansas played that poorly in the first half. Baylor just made a hell of a lot of difficult shots. The second half, those shots stopped falling. Kansas up their game. And wow, where's the, where's the running really fast sound effect that I played earlier? We're talking about like the old Bug Bunny, Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yeah, where it's just... 
steamrolled right meep, past meep, meep. Yeah, exactly. Any closing thoughts about this game? It was a really fun game. Every now and then there's a there's a game, probably two or three a year, where you're like, I'm going to watch highlights of that one on YouTube randomly a couple times a year for the next 10 years. That's going to be one of them that I'm watching highlights for every now and then because that was a classic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, just one of those games that happens sometimes, and it's awesome when it does. Uh, you hate to be the team on the flip side of that. Thankfully, it doesn't happen for Kansas very often. Uh, first half, yuck. Second half, yay. I, I have a question for Nick because Nick is the uniforms go-to guy here. Um, Nick, Baylor's uniforms are Ass. when they wear the grays. Is that correct? Yes. No, the wrong. The, oh, the grays oh, are fine. The blacks are good. The whites are good. The greens are great. Oh, sorry. You said grays. You cut out. I thought you said, I thought you said green. I hate the green oh. uniforms. Killing me. The all, grays are good. All their uniforms are good except the grays. The grays are awful. Baylor's not gray. No part of their school colors are gray. What the hell's that? Doesn't matter. The grays, are, they look good. They're still good uniforms. Well, they don't play very they well are. with them if you if this game's any indication. They need to That's wear the true. blacks. Black is their so, best. The sunflower color. ones are good. KU sunflower ones are good, but ever since I bought a my, my one for myself and wear it, I had I, I had to throw that one off my body yesterday. I was shirtless during the second half yesterday <laughs> because I threw that off when KU was down thirteen and a you half time a and it came back and won. Yeah. So I don't think I can wear that jersey again. And you, it happened similar in earlier games. So I'm skeptical. I, I um, you were about the wearing that uniform. You weren't the only one that was shirtless watching that second half performance. I'm sure somebody out there was uh, was really enjoying that. Uh, no, sure Baylor had. Yeah, all of it. And uh, if you're Baylor, winless. Ha, 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 ha. All right, let's talk about other games. Big 12 games. Well, we had a couple of minor upsets, and then we had a lot of almost upsets, but one that went the way we thought it would. Number 12, Kansas State, 61. Number 19, Iowa State, 55. Landon, you missed two shows where K-State lost back-to-back games against the two worst teams in the Big 12 standings, and now you come back and, well, it's time to sandstorm. Let's tell me about it. K-State 61, Iowa State 55. Uh, in another blown second-half lead for Iowa State. Yeah, guys, you're going to want to sit down. Iowa State, they, they had a big lead, and then they, then they lost. Uh, they led by 8 at the break. They were outscored by 14 in the second half. Uh, Marquise Noel led the way. He had 20 points and 5 assists. He was really good. Uh, six straight road losses for the Cyclones. Again, you guys are going to want to sit down. Shocking news here. Uh, Iowa State lost a road game. While the Wildcats got their second conference win since January 21st. Three. Not great for K-State lately uh, in conference play. K-State's last four games are this. Baylor at home, at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma at home, and at West Virginia. Nick, how many wins is that? Really? I was going to say two, and I think they lose in Stillwater. I think they lose in Morgantown. And then it's, can they beat Baylor at home? I, uh, I, I, I'll I, say two. I think it's two, and I think they're losing to Baylor and winning one of the road games. See, I think they have a, I think that they have a great shot with Baylor because Baylor's off that emotional clunker where they just got rolled. I think they have a shot there. I don't think they're winning a road game. What road games have they won since the first week of conference play that makes you think that's going to happen? West Virginia is not that good. No, they're not. But I'm not sure how good K State is. The Wildcats—they are seven and seven. They've got to get at least two. You got to be at least five hundred. Uh, I think two feels right, and it may surprise us. Like Oklahoma beat them. They may—they may win in in Manhattan. You never know. Oklahoma almost beat Texas yesterday. Speaking of 
Number six, Texas, 85. Oklahoma, 83. Well, damn, I was all excited to do Boomer whenever it looked like Oklahoma was going to win this game. And then, Nick, they uh, they ultimately let us down just like they let their fans down in football every year. Oklahoma led for most of the second half but fell behind by five with 2.30 left. When it seemed like they were done, Grant Sherfield hit a game time. That's not, Grant Sherfield sounds like a car dealership. Uh, hit a game time <laughs> three with seven seconds left. Grant Sherfield forcing overtime, but they couldn't quite finish the job. Uh, Texas got 24 points from Serge Jabari Rice, my favorite name. He should be a used car salesman. That's a great name. Uh, Marcus Carr <laughs> added another 17. Marcus the Longhorns Carr. and Jayhawks are tied <laughs> atop the league at 10 and four. Texas's last four games: Iowa State at Baylor at TCU. Versus Kansas juggernaut schedule. God, that schedule is nasty. I think Texas loses twice, and honestly, it might be three. I think they lose both road games, and I think Kansas might get them in the finale too. I, I I'm not saying Kansas is for sure winning that game, but a game with conference title implications. And on one side, I got Bill Self, who's won it 16 times. And on the other side, I got an interim coach who's never been in that spot. I think Kansas very well may get that one at the end of the year as well. Landon, is Texas losing multiple of those four games? I think they're losing at least two. Uh, You can't pick Iowa State against Texas, so that's one. I think they're losing two of the last three. And they do have a chance to lose all of them. I think they're losing in Waco. TCU, I, I don't know how to feel about TCU. I'm going to know a lot more about TCU after watching them play against KU because TCU's obviously been awful recently, but they, they're getting the band back together a little bit. Uh, and Oklahoma should have won this game. They had it, and much like most things that Porter Moser has touched this year, it turns to complete poop right at the moment that you really want it. Uh, speaking of things that are not complete poop, number 22, TCU, 100. Oklahoma State, 75. Hammer dropped on the Cowboys. Well, that are they really good discussion we had last week doesn't look very good now. Mike Miles returned and played 35 minutes, so he looks completely good to go. But TCU absolutely rolled by shooting an incredible 68% from the floor. If you believe in law of averages, that should suggest they will not shoot very well against Kansas. Emmanuel Miller led the way with 18 points. Eddie Lampkin, though, not as effective. Four fouls in his 14 minutes. Uh, he still hasn't looked healthy since his injury at Allen Fieldhouse. Oklahoma State's cute little run is over, right? They're very, very average. Certainly feels sure. that way. TCU is, are they, where does TCU, healthy TCU rank in the Big 12? Three. Four. Four, I think sorry, better than, four, yeah, four. I think they're better than Texas. You don't think healthy TCU is better than Texas? No. They're, I think they're very close. Uh, TCU is going to th- – their losses have knocked them down to like a five seed. They are going to ruin uh, a poor one seed's day when they're drawn as their four seed because they are nasty whenever they're all on. Uh, we'll, we'll find out a lot about how they play against Kansas coming right up. And then uh, the last game, it feels like there's always one of the four Big 12 games that no one really cares about. Landon, go ahead and tell me all about it. Texas Tech, 78. West Virginia, 72. 27 points from Jalen Tyson uh, earns the Red Raiders a road win in Morgantown. They've climbed from 10th to 8th place, tied for, in the last week. Uh, The Mountaineers at large hopes, we were talking about that not too long ago, but that's just about over, right? It certainly feels like it. If they get in, it'll be because the the anybody in the RPI committee or the uh, the tournament committee 
they really, really think that this conference is the best ever. I don't need to see West Virginia lose to a seven seed in the big in the NCAA tournament, though. No, not at all. Big 12 standings. Well, well, well. Look who's at the top. Number one, Kansas. And uh, tied with him is Texas. Both teams are 10-4 and four with four to go. In second place, the Baylor Bears. They are 9-5. and five. In fourth, the states, farm schools, Iowa State and K-State, 8-6. and six. Farmageddon, yeah. Sixth place is TCU and Oklahoma State. They are tied at 7-7. Seven and seven. As I just mentioned, tied for eighth place is Texas Tech and West Virginia. They are four and ten. And in the cellar, number ten, Oklahoma at three and eleven. I mean, I know that the, the Wednesday night Big Twelve tournament games are never that exciting, but Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Oklahoma feel like the perfect four teams to play in that Wednesday night in front of eight dollar tickets and and where as Landon said yesterday, the beer is more or Nick said yesterday, the beer is more expensive than the ticket. Gonna be a fun crowd of about 1200 people on that opening night other games there were very few upsets from around college basketball on saturday there were only three ranked teams that lost and two of those teams lost someone who was ranked higher than they were the only ranked squad that lost to an unranked team was number 10 tennessee who scored two points in the first eight minutes a lot of ugly fugly offensive stats have uh, been on tennessee's column this year the Volunteers lost that rup to Kentucky 66-54. That is a season sweep for the Wildcats over Rick Barnes' team. UK got 16 points from Oscar Shibway to pick up a win. Uh, for all the talk about how horrible of a season Kentucky has had, the Wildcats are in third place still uh, in that conference behind only number one Alabama, who racked up 108 points on Georgia. Uh, and an unranked Texas A&M who won at Mizzou Arena to stay one game back. The Aggies are 12-2 and two, uh, in the SEC, and there's, like, nothing being talked about with Texas A&M. Maybe it's because they're Texas A&M basketball, but that's a tournament team. They are absolutely a tournament team. Buzz Williams is doing what Buzz Williams does, which is get teams very, very feisty, respectable records. Uh, speaking of Missouri, it was a horrible week for the Tigers and at their at-large hopes. They lost by 33 at, at Auburn and failed to stay competitive with A&M at home. Uh, the Tigers are 19-8, and but one of their 10 worst non-conference schedules in the country is dramatically inflating the record. Joe Lunardi has them as an 8 seed before Saturday. I, I think they're probably going to wind up making it, but they're going to need to win at least a game in the SEC tournament to really feel comfortable. Because, yeah, if they had played even an average non-con schedule, they're probably like 17-11 and 11 right now, which... That's definitely not being talked about as a uh, as a surefire NCAA team. Uh, in the Big Ten, number 14, Indiana, trailed for most of the game, but they rallied to beat Illinois in the final minute, 71-68. to Trace Jackson Davis had 26 points, and I bet you'll never, ever guess who led the fighting Illini in scoring. What's your guess? Uh, that white guy that shoots threes. Yeah. Was it not him? Yeah, who was it? You remember our, our old buddy? I don't remember his name, actually. Matthew Meyer, the old Baylor guy, lit him up and uh, then went cold in the very, very last couple of minutes. I will always remember that huge, colossal showdown between number three KU and number one Baylor on college game day right before COVID shut the world down, the Doak game, where Matthew Meyer averaged like two points a game and he came off the bench and made three for three from three-point range in the first half on college game day. I'll <laughs> never forget that. With the hair and everything, one of the all-timers. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, elsewhere in the Big Ten, number three Purdue 
beat a terrible Ohio State by 27. Michigan beat Michigan State at home following an emotional pregame ceremony where the Wolverine student section waved a huge Spartan flag. Um, and, and as someone said, Joe Biden's favorite <laughs> How is this team in the same lost sentence? their ninth in a row and is <laughs> yeah. 13 in league play. And of who, course who that is, team were... Oh, it's course. Course Minnesota. Minnesota! Right, yeah, of course. Who else? Uh, yeah, those two sentences probably should not have been back-to-back, but you know, we, you can't win them all on Inside the Paint. You don't a college game one. yesterday, we can they had a very few on Inside the Paint. They had a great tribute to the Michigan State thing that a video played during college game yesterday, but it, things got very depressing very quickly because right after that, they showed the Jonathan Chamo Chachua documentary video showing where he completely destroyed his leg. Um, so it was Legs. really happy. It was a really happy ten minutes stretch there at college game day. <laughs> they're like, uh, uh, anyways, they're like, uh, and that's how Jonathan Chamachachua lost, almost lost both his legs. Okay, guys, hold up your Jalen Wilson signs. Woo! Like that's yeah. that's the college game day <laughs> exactly. win, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the Pac-12 continues to be a two-horse race. Number four, UCLA obliterated Cal, and number eight, Arizona rolled over Colorado. The Bruins have a game and a half lead on the Wildcats, and these two will end their regular seasons against the, uh, each other in two weeks. Is the uh, is the Pac-12 worse than the West Coast Conference? How is <laughs> how is UCLA a number four team in the country? How are they number um, four in the country? They are four and four against quadrant one teams. How yeah, are they that. number four in the country? Explain that this to me. Conference is so bad, uh, it's Nick. Awful. You're you're ignoring the stat of just wins, overall wins, regardless yeah, I, of resume critical yes that's why missouri is just a couple games worse than kansas um i think right. that ucla is is all is pretty good and i think arizona has a higher ceiling but a lower floor uh but the the only reason the pac-12 is not worse than the wcc are because of those two three through the bottom it's probably very comparable to the wcc because there are some god awful basketball teams in the uh, in the pac-12 you're right like cal uh, but and like Louisville, but hey guys, Louisville. The South Carolina women beat Cal. <laughs> it would be close. It would be the closest possible combination of any team in, for men's and women's that you could make that comparison for. Uh, but speaking of bad teams, Louisville won a game. That is four. Count them. One, two, three, four wins for Louisville this year. Good job, Cardinals. Um, to give an a example of just how awful the ACC is, Clemson was leading that conference two weeks ago, and then they lost to Louisville on Saturday. Yikes. There are high school teams that could give Louisville a run for their money this year. Sunrise Shout Christian out Louisville Academy for hanging a banner. Yeah. Shout out Louisville for, for replacing their banner with number one in the coaches' pool. I think KU should hang that for 2020, let's be honest. Yeah, KU, <laughs> KU had them both, the final and the AP and the coaches' poll, so maybe they should just stick it up there. And that big font right between the 2022 and the 2008 National Champion banners, just hang it right in there. I'm liking Uh, Let's see what we got here. The leader in the ACC, number 7, Virginia. They beat Notre Dame by two at home. Uh, but to summarize how brutal the conference is, the Cavaliers beat Louisville and Notre Dame, who are combined 4-28 and in ACC play by a combined five points this yeah. week. So uh, not a lot of definitely, winners over there. Definitely can't see 13 seed Ohio or whoever the hell. They actually already did. Uh, Which that happened once. Seed, yeah, 13 seed UC Santa Barbara or whoever beating Virginia in that game. That's definitely happening this year. Elsewhere in the ACC, number 15 Miami hung 96 on Wake Forest to stay a half game back of the Cavaliers. 
Duke rolled Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. It's not called the Carrier Dome anymore. Uh, oh. Number 23, North Carolina State beat UNC to deal another blow to the Tar Heels at-large chances. Somehow, people are still talking about this horrible basketball team making the tournament when they're 0-9 against Quadrant 1 that, teams. That's it, 0-9. That is disgusting. <laughs> yep. That is very, 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 very hard to do. They're going to be the first ever number one preseason team to make the to miss the NCAAs. Hubert Davis should be fired at the end of this year, and North Carolina should just fill a dump truck full of money and go dump it on Scott Drew's driveway and not leave till he says yes. That's what they should or do. Or see if Jay Wright's up to anything. Seriously, like, that? yes, that would be worth it. Hell, I would take Jerome Tang so fast over Hubert Davis. We'll, we'll see if they actually make a move because he is awful out there. Speaking of awful, in the West Coast Conference, number 17, St. Mary's. Oh, Mary beat BYU to get to 13-1 in conference play with a week left. Right behind them is number 13, Gonzaga, and their hot dog water of a schedule. Their 10 straight regular season title streak, Gonzaga's 12-2. These two teams will play in the regular season finale against each other in college game day night in Spokane next Saturday. Do we have any doubt whatsoever how that game's going to go? I think St. Mary's might win. Okay. Well, I will definitely pick up my pick point on you that night because that is absolutely not happening. And you sound like all the people who are like, you know, guys, I think Oklahoma State could end KU's streak of 10 in a row this year. I really feel it. Yeah, okay. A team that hasn't been there against team that has. Every single time I'll take the team that has. Also, here's a fun fact about St. Mary's that I discovered today. I was looking through St. Mary's schedule, and yes, I saw that they failed to score 50 points and a disgusting loss against uh, against Houston. And yes, I saw that they, they lost to New Mexico, who sucks. And they lost to Washington, who also sucks. But snuck in in the middle of conference play, St. Mary's played two conference games, and then on January 3rd, they played a game against AAU. You know what AAU stands for? The Academy of Art University. That does not have an ESPN page. How is this a win? How does that count? And worst of all... It genuinely should not. The Academy of Art University was only down six at the very end of the first half to St. Mary's. And Landon, you think that team's ending Gonzaga's run? Not as much anymore. (laughs) Oh, just terrible. I can't believe that counts. I really can't believe that they count that as a win. As Landon said, that's worse than Alabama scoring, uh, scheduling Western Carolina Tech A&M School of the Arts in In week twelve. In the first November Saturday, yeah, exactly. That we see all the time. Ranked teams to lose since the last show. Number nine Baylor, the highest ranked team to lose, went down to. Damn it, Bill. Boston, Kansas. Number 10, Tennessee. They lost to PayPal Cal. And uh, another Big 12 team because, of course, number 19, Iowa State, lost to K-State. In fairness to the Big 12, they were always going to have at least two teams on that list because of those games. But, yes, it does feel like we're always talking about Big 12 teams to lose. Last weekend, pick him. Nobody knows. Landon went 8-2. and two. I think he's reclaimed first place. We're getting into crunch time, so I can't wait to see how he blows it. <laughs> Ask Rock Chalk Blog. Whether you live in Kansas or you live in... <laughs> You can always send us Ask RCBs by replying to the tweet. It doesn't even have to be about basketball. It can be about total and complete nonsense. Like what? Or are it could our be thoughts? the prestigious state of. Uh, do I have one? Do I, what, what do you want me to play? Oh, I said, or it could be about the prestigious state of. And I. Oh, you I, wanted I really to, you, Thought that was a layup. 
Oh, okay. Minnesota! What other uh, state names do I have on this? I have Texas. Hey, Patrick, Oklahoma. What am I now? Uh-huh. Stupid? No, I'm Texas. Have this. What's the difference? <laughs> what is this? Who's a team that you are not afraid of that you might be a little bit contrarian on? Who's a team that you wouldn't mind seeing in KU's, uh, KU's bracket? Well, the team I think they're going to get stuck with as the two seed is going to be Oregon, who just lost oh. their starting center. Oh, oh. your your second best take ever. I think ever. Kansas can handle Oregon, even if it's at the Sprint Center. Nope, they did not indeed handle Oregon, even if it was at the Sprint Center. I remember that very, very well. That did not happen. Not even a little bit. Stupid, idiotic, inbred, can't drive, pieces of shit on the road. God! That was what we used to think about Bill Self, I guess, whenever they would lose. <laughs> and every year in Morgantown. Shout out, Daniel, in season two. All right. Landon, fire fire away. Let's let's hear some questions. Uh, from at KU Tweets and News, on a scale of one to Scott Drew press conferences, how <laughs> angry will you be if Houston, who has beat one ranked team all season, steals the Midwest region from Kansas, Nick? That'll be a joke. A joke. I'll be so angry I'll scream. I'd be a solid Bob Huggins just got a T. I think Kansas is probably going to have to win both the Big 12 and the Big 12 tournament if they want to really stake their claim in that, uh, which is going to be gross because they're probably... Which is bull crap, but fine. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Um, Houston, Houston very well may take the one in the Midwest from Kansas. Maybe they'll give Houston the South. I don't know, depending on what happens with Alabama. Maybe all Kansas has to do is finish ahead of Alabama and they'll give Houston Louisville and then Kansas would still get the Sprint Center. I don't know. I don't know how to work, but yes, I'd be pretty angry. Uh, KU Tweets and News also asks, uh, what's your all-time Kansas starting five? They say theirs is JoJo White, Mario Chalmers, Ochai Abaji, Danny Manning, and Wilt Chamberlain. Well, Wilt and Danny are layups. That's your. That's easy. Um, and and I'm, I hate to be the guy that asks, are we talking just their times at Kansas? Because if not, I'm taking Joel Embiid, but I think we're saying at Kansas, right? Yeah, just at Kansas. So you're, you're taking Jalen Wilson over Joel Embiid if that's if that's your choices for this question, which is it feels weird to say. Um, I think I'd probably take Andrew Wiggins. I don't think there have been five better raw basketball players that have put on the Kansas jersey ever than Andrew Wiggins. Uh, so I'll put him on there. The best point guard my eyeballs I've ever watched quarterback Kansas was probably Sharon Collins, but Frank Mason would be right there. And then I need a shooting guard. Uh, ben McLemore might be the best shooter I've seen. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. You could say we'll, Paul Pierce is a shooting guard. Oh, that's true. I could take Paul Pierce and just stick it at the two. And imagine Pierce, Wiggins, uh, Manning, and uh, and Wilt. Jeez, I could quarterback that team to 20 wins. <laughs> It might only be 20 with you at point guard, though. <laughs> we, the, there would definitely be some of the leaves the point guard wide open to take Darren to shoot stuff we see with DeJuan Harris. Uh, what do you guys say on that question? That's a good one. Um, Yeah, that's about right. I mean, Danny and Wilt are definitely the layups. Ochai is close, uh, honestly, especially when they won the national title, of course. I mean, that really puts them up there. Um, I don't know. I think... I mean, Mario had such a good career. Frank's senior year might put him over Chalmers, but I don't know. I also haven't watched enough Kansas over the course of my entire life. I mean, obviously I've watched a lot, but I just don't have as robust a historical knowledge of them. Uh, Nick Collison's got to be close. What um, if you just said screw Sean it? Sean Collins and put, is close. What if you went Galaxy Brain and picked, like, Will, Jeff Withy, Cole Aldrich, Joel Embiid, and then pick another 6'11 guy that's played here. And you just went, 
Good luck scoring on us. Imagine Joel Embiid guarding a point guard at the top of the key. No, that would be kind of hilarious. It, he, it might work, though. He's fairly mobile. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's a tree that they just put there. Uh, Nick, at Alex Fisher KU, who's the best player for Larry Brown, the best player for Roy Williams, and the best player for Bill Self? Danny Manning. Yep. Um, that's, a, that's the easiest one. Yeah. <laughs> uh... It's Pierce or Collison, mm. I think, for Roy. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably. It has to be one of those two. He had a bunch of really, really good players, but those are the maybe best. Kirk Heinrich. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll say it's Paul Pierce though. The friends. Yeah, the, and then there's also yeah. uh, Jock Vaughn is in there too. I'll still Three say seasons um, of Wayne Simeon. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Bill Wayne Sel- Simeon. Bill Self is Bill Self. Are you like best best college player, or just best player overall? It just says best player. The best player overall is Andrew Wiggins. Don't at me. Yeah, it's, it's Joel Embiid. I mean, it's it, just purely best player. Best well, Kansas now, career is Frank Mason or or Oach. Imagine Andrew Wiggins if he stayed for a second year. He may have averaged close to 30 a night. I'm not even joking. It would. No, I'm not, he no averaged, you're right. He would have. He averaged 18 a game as a freshman in the NBA. Like, he would have been. It, then they, you would have given him another shot at Will Spradling. Good God. It would have been unbelievable what he would have done at Kansas. The best raw basketball player my eyeballs have watched dribble a ball wearing a Kansas uniform is Andrew Wiggins. Uh, if you want the best college player under Bill Self, it's probably. I mean. It's probably Collins, isn't it? I mean, the dude was an All-American yeah, two different it, years. It probably is. Good question. I like those. Uh, at B-Town Champ, King Jalen Wilson Dunk. Has anyone asked him why he doesn't if he can? I'm assuming he can't, or I think he'd have one. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes players who can dunk don't. Perry Ellis could dunk and just never did. I, Wilson's six eight and a Division one athlete. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Deidre Lawson was 6'10", 6'11". I'm surprised, I'm surprised if he couldn't because he's 6'8". I'm yeah, sure he can. He plays Division One college basketball. He can dunk. He can physically dunk. He just doesn't Some guys want to. just prefer not to, yeah. All right, here's a good one from at Josh Wilson 80. Who would you like to go 94 feet with? <laughs> oh, man. Is it, like, anyone? <laughs> I mean, there's no rules. Whenever people don't make rules, we can make our own rules. Allison Bree. Oh, oh, we're going with that. I was gonna say, I just like a night. I'd like the to celebrity hear what, route. I was gonna say, I just like to hear what Remy Martin would say in a nice ninety-four foot casual strut. But if you guys are gonna think of yeah, it that so way, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say Remy Martin. <laughs> Nick, for might the same say reasons Remy I said Allison Bree. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, let me take one more, then it's back to you, Landon. That AJ Stevenson is the reason KU has so many slow, unenergetic starts because they believe they can come back anytime. And if so, is this a recipe for failure? And is reoccurring double-digit first-half deficits a coaching problem or a player problem? That's a good question. I, I don't really know exactly what it is. Um, I don't know if it's much of anything, honestly. Maybe I put it on coaching just because it happens all the time, but I don't know. That doesn't feel like a safe bet just to say, yeah, it's the coaches. Not that we haven't done that in the past. Well, uh, and the, yeah, other team is, the other team is usually, like, I kind of think this angles bullcrap a lot of the times, but the other teams normally do overperform against Kansas. They normally are juiced for that opportunity to play in that game. So those teams are always going to be super tightly wired. They're ready to go. They've been focused all day. It may take Kansas a little bit to adjust to that energy level. I don't think it's a coaching problem. I just think it's kind of human nature. Um, and, yes, it is a recipe for failure. How many times have we seen, and they didn't lose in the tournament last year, but the four years before that where they got blitzed in the tournament, 
buried early by USC, buried early by Villanova, buried early by Oregon, um, and you throw Auburn in there too. They got buried early by Auburn as well. So yes, it definitely is a recipe for failure. Uh, they haven't lost a close NCAA tournament game in seven years. Uh, a couple connected questions here. The first one from at Show Me Hawk. Do you think Cincinnati, Central Florida, and BYU will finish in the Big 12 basement next season? Obviously, those three along with Houston joining the conference next year. I think we can all agree Houston will not finish in the bottom. At least not in the bottom. They might not finish at the top either, but they'll be better than last. Yeah. Uh, Nick, do you think those three teams are are the bottom three in the conference? Who the bottom as the bottom three? UCF, UCF, UCF Cincinnati, uh, and BYU. BYU the, th- and Cincinnati, the three uh, non-Houston newcomers. Yeah, yeah, those teams suck. Cincinnati uh, has BYU, a chance. BYU is normally pretty solid. I'll say they're they're not in there. Uh, Central Florida definitely feels like the 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 cow of the Big Twelve at least at the start. That team's. The, I don't think that team. Why are they in many- the Big Twelve? Who thought it would be a good idea to bring Central Florida to the Big 12? Dollar bills is why. Yeah, I was going to say, this is why. (coughs) It's a school of 70,000 students, and their endowment's less than Kansas. Less than Kansas is. Wow. How many does Kansas have? Students or endowment? Oh, you said 70,000 at UCF. That's huge. 70,000 students at UCF. Yeah, uh, which is. Compared to twenty eight thousand at KU, UCF's endowment wow. is a hundred and fifty five million. Uh, wow. Kansas's is two point seven billion dollars. So, <laughs> wow, yeah, that's, that's it's kind of it, it's it, 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 it big. It spells commuter school in big big letters. Looking at that, Cincinnati has been solid for the last several, or has been solid in the past, but they really haven't made any noise since Mick Cronin left for UCLA. And Still. I've never heard a single thing about UCF basketball. Like I, I, I have no idea. They could literally be two and sixteen in their first year, and it wouldn't surprise anyone. Yeah, if you had to put one bet on who finishes dead last, I would put it on UCF. Yep. Yeah, I would too. Um, but then the related question from at the next dimension: Which of the current Big Twelve teams will finish lowest in the standings next season? So, out of the ten current Ooh. Big Twelve teams, who do you think actually does finish last out of those next year? I mean, whether or not they finish re- actually last or not. West Virginia feels like an option here. Oklahoma, I think, should be... Their coach seems to be much more on top of getting quality transfer candidates where I don't think they're going to be at the bottom. West Virginia has got to be close to the end of the Bob Huggins tenure, and they haven't made anything... They haven't been interesting at all for quite a while. Uh, So I think that would be probably my go-to. Iowa State never has the talent, but I think their coach is good enough to get them out of the basement. On the flip side of that, Oklahoma State usually does have some interesting talent, but it has not been particularly good the last few seasons. Yep, yeah. I think I'd go West Virginia if I had to pick one, but any of the teams playing on Wednesday night in the Big 12 tournament this year, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, any of those guys could be in there at, at this rate. Uh, from at Breck and Honey, if Christian Brown came back, would the start? what would the starting five be? So hard to think about, because what would Self do? Uh, it would be so hard to sit Grady, even though he doesn't like to start freshmen, is that what we, he would do in starting Christian Brown? Yes, because no, Christian Kevin Brown would, would be a top 10 player yeah, in America. Kevin McCuller would be on the no, bench. No, Kevin McCuller would come off the bench. That's actually most likely. He would not sit Grady Dick. And if it, that, Boy, you thought that we were yelling, Damn it, Bill! For what he did with Remy Martin last year. If Grady Dick's on the bench for Kevin McCuller, I think our ears would explode from all the drops that you'd hear on this show. He would uh, a couple not, football he would not bring Grady Dick off the bench couple football questions from at rock chalk aj if mahomes couldn't have won the super bowl mvp who would you have chose to win it uh Kadarius tony no Kadarius tony's mm-hmm. a good call too 
Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those guys. Uh, Travis uh, Nick Kelsey Bolton didn't do have, much in that game. Nick Bolton might have won it if that uh, second absolutely was a catch that they overturned. But hey, the refs totally helped the Chiefs all night. Uh, if that second touchdown counts, it's probably Nick Bolton. Guys, the real secret to all of this, and I kind of actually believe this, and I don't think this is some grand conspiracy. I think the refs are just kind of told to do this a little bit, especially in big games. Just keep it close. Whatever oh, takes yeah, to keep it for close. Sure. They absolutely call things differently if a game's on the cusp of getting out of hand. It they absolutely have money sports. on the game, too. You, yep. They probably wager on the games, too. Oh, so much. If, if, it, if Calvin Ridley was gambling on games and almost didn't get caught, he only got caught because he was a freaking fool with how he did it, uh, then yes, there is so much. I mean, the, we all remember the NBA refs big scandal that happened with gambling a few years ago. Pete Rose was gambling on baseball, and this is before you had a DraftKings app in your pocket. Yes, they all do it, I'm sure. At Stefan Timmy 17 what are some reasons KU can win at TCU given the embarrassing loss at Allen Fieldhouse? I'll give you an answer in about 10 minutes whenever we preview that game here. At Rock Chalk AJ, try to be unbiased. Who's your vote for National Player of the Year, Zach Eady or Jalen Wilson? Zach Eady. It's Edie. Edie's having one of the greatest seasons that any college player has ever had. Jalen Wilson is having a fantastic season, and there's nothing that anyone can say to take away from that. 20 points and 8 rebounds is fantastic. Zach Edie has 22 points and 13 rebounds. Throw in two blocks, throw in a couple of assists, and uh, that more than offsets the gap in schedule. He's the most dominant player in basketball this year. He's the national player. By a lot. Yep, and Jalen Wilson's a unanimous first team All American. Uh, Rock Talk AJ also wants to know, Nick, have you bought a Super Bowl t-shirt yet? No. I, I haven't a lot. either. I plan on it, but I want to get one. And I they have like a 90s to... looking championship hat that I'm going to get because that's pretty cool. Yep. I am never going to financially recover from this .gif. I am spending <laughs> yeah, for real. At Rock Chalk AJ, can the AP voters stop ranking teams with mediocre regular seasons and magical tournament runs high in the poll the following year like UCLA last year and UNC this year? I'll defend UCLA a little bit here because they weren't great last year, but they were a solid squad. That team wound up being a four, a four seed. seed. Like they were still, yeah. they, were, they were decent. They were a lot better they than North Carolina this year. They improved their seeding by four, uh, by four uh, from, from the year before to the next year. So they were ranked two. That was high, but they were a top 10 team for a good chunk of the year. North Carolina, all three of us were way on top of. They lost Brady Manick. Their coach is inexperienced and, it wasn't a sustainable method of winning. They should have lost to Baylor, and if they had lost that, are they even top 10 in the preseason polls? Probably not. But all that being said, they should not be this bad. They have way more talent than their record would suggest, and they don't use Armando Baycott enough. Caleb Love has no uh, self-control when it comes to just launching crazy shots. Um, I thought that uh, I thought RJ Davis would be better than he is too. And Puff Johnson hasn't taken the leap that everybody thought. That team should be better. But yes, it would be nice if we could stop doing that. Let's see what else we got here. Um, from at, case, at Casey Sports Kingdo 1, uh, are you more likely to watch the Genesis Open with Tiger Woods playing, uh, playing well, I should say, or a major other than the Masters with no Tiger? Uh, it's about golf, right? It's a golf question, I think. <laughs> I can't believe Landon doesn't like golf. It's such a Landon sport. Golf You're is great. Hipster. Why is it, why is got- it such a me sport? You have the freshly shaved beard, and you wear the khakis, and you have the classy and sophisticated khakis. opinions. That I don't know if Landon... I've ever worn. Okay, when have I ever worn I... khakis? 
You just seem like a, you, you want to live in Kansas City in the lofts. Like, that's just, that's a very golfy sort of thing, I thought. I thought you would be a, a golf guy. You're very oh. patient. I, I mean, I don't even really have anything against golf. I just could not give two fricks about it. Have you played? Have you played 18 holes? I want to. I have not oh. gotten out. I, my opinion might change if I actually get out on a course. I do want to go. Well, golf Nick's so antennas. Fun. I was gonna say Nick's antenna just shot up at the opportunity to take someone golfing. You guys need to go. Oh, we should. Especially Ryan, once the, the, Ryan, you should go golfing. I get bored golfing. I've played quite a bit over the course of my life. Not as much in the last four or five years. I played with my dad quite a bit when I was a teenager. And I don't like, I mean, my wife works nights, so getting up early is difficult for the schedule we're on. We're on, like, the go to bed at 2.30 in the morning every night. So the, the yeah, Nick that's crowd, awful. Well, it's, it's, you're used to it because we both have jobs that work afternoons and evenings. Uh, but, yes, it's very hard for me to get up at 7 a.m. to go hit a ball around a field. You uh, think but, your wife will ever go to a normal schedule, or is she just going to want to work nights ever, the rest of her life? Working nights for a nurse is the best of both worlds. You get paid a lot extra money. It's like 5 or $6 extra an hour. There are no doctors. There are no visitors. Uh, most of the patients are sleeping. You don't have to get them ready for any of their therapy or their uh, – you don't have to handle any sort of uh, admissions or – um, you don't have to do any dispatching whenever they're done. It's a much easier gig, I think. Uh, and her and her goal is just to ride it out for a little while. I can't imagine doing it if she ever has kids, uh, which I guess would also make them my kids. At least that'd be the plan. Um, <laughs> that that would be the idea. That'd be the idea. But uh, at least for now, yeah. And we see each other more because of it. If she worked on days, she'd be going to bed at like 9 o'clock, two hours after she gets home from work, and uh, and with me watching sports in the evening and whatnot, we wouldn't see each other very much. We see each other a lot more with her working nights. It's a good fit. But all that said, I wouldn't be very good at golf. Landon, on the other hand, can get up at 6 in the morning and go to work like it's nothing. So maybe he would love it. Mm, I don't want to do that more than I have to. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, last is, couple that questions awesome. here. Um, one from at Matt underscore Galantine. What do you do now that football season has ended? Uh, watch soccer and relax on the weekends. Uh, watch Chiefs highlights. Do what I did I before I, because I didn't watch any football beforehand. Just, uh, I guess nothing because I don't watch TV. Yeah, Nick liking golf but not liking football is like the – you guys make it sound like I'm the old man I, I the like I like the I like the Chiefs and KU football, but I don't watch any – I don't watch any – I don't watch any sports other than my the teams I support. I, I don't – I just don't find enjoyment in watching a random NBA game on a Tuesday night. Yeah, Nick is probably the most uh, devoted KU football fan of the three of us. And granted, you go there, uh, but yeah, you have tickets. And- Landon, Landon, and I are pretty. We're pretty emotionally invested. Yeah, well, we were I both pretty te- pissed off after the TCU loss. Uh, I was gonna say, I hate to tell you this, guys, but you might not want to get super emotionally invested in a sport where Lance Leipold is uh, calling plays because. Well, let me just pull up this clip. Oh, wow, guys. They're going to tie the game against Houston. Let's see if they can win it. Uh, Jason Bean's going to throw. Wait, what? What the? Uh, last one from at Dick underscore Taser. Three options. You have to pick one. Oh, Spend no. four days in a cabin with Aaron Rodgers in total darkness. <laughs> oh, God. Go to Peru. <laughs> For an ayahuasca ceremony with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if you don't know what that is, I googled it. It is a hallucinogen. Of course. Um, or take out Aaron Rodgers for the betterment of all humanity, but you also have to end yourself in the process. Oh, man. So I'm either dead I, or I two think, options. Where I think I want I'm to be. getting super high. 
I'm, I'm sitting in the dark for a few days because I am not taking any drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that would be so boring, though. Uh, I, I, I think I'd take the Peru trip because at least you get to go to Peru. You're As Landon said, you're so high you won't remember any of it, but... Uh, at least you got to go visit. Like you can see the Amazon rainforest. It's better than sitting in a dark I, cabin or. I don't even. Yourself. I don't even like. I don't even like drinking. I don't want to. I don't like anything that alters my mental state. I could not I, take I hallucinogenic drugs. I wouldn't want that either. But at least I'd be alive. And I hate the dark. Yeah. See, I see, would absolutely. Really? Same too, because it would it would suck. But I've watched videos before. I think I don't know if you heard of Yes Theory, but they do a lot of like exciting adventure videos. They did that. And they set in the darkness thing, and it, they actually said their mental health improved significantly. I've heard that. Yeah. Well, Aaron Rodgers also does these cleanses where you basically make yourself sick for four straight days, and it apparently makes you feel better and stuff. Anything that Aaron Rodgers does, I think I'm just basically going to do the opposite. Uh, but it would be interesting to go to Peru. That would not be low on the list of countries that I would want to visit. I think seeing uh, that part of the world would be fascinating. Too bad I would spend all of it with some of the weirdest people in the world if it's Aaron Rodgers sort of group. And he ever have any <laughs> drug yeah. trip group. What a, what a strange... All that to just lose in the NFC Championship game every three years. <laughs> if you ever have any Ask RCBs, use the Twitter hashtag AskRCB. All right, some games are big, and some games are Big Monday big. And this one is a Big Monday big game. Number five, Kansas at number 22, TCU. These teams are going to go up in the rankings. I know TCU lost earlier in the week, but what they did with their full team, they should go up. Uh, when Miles plays, they're a top 20 team. And I think Kansas... I think Kansas is going to get some votes for number one. We know for sure they're going to pass Purdue. We know for sure that they're going to pass. Is there anybody else that we know they're going to pass? Who's in front of them? UCLA is in front of them. Uh, Alabama's in front of them. And uh, what? Who else is there? Houston. Um, I think that Kansas will pass UCLA and they'll pass Purdue and they'll pass Alabama. I think Kansas will be number two behind Houston, but they're going to get some number one votes. You guys agree? They should. I'd rank them one. I know it sounds biased, but they're easily the most impressive team from a resume perspective, and you can't tell me that anyone's playing better than they are right now. To me, that screams rank them one. I, I, Alabama would be the only team. But Alabama lost. Granted, it was to a top 10 team, but Alabama's going to drop a little bit. I would rank top five right now, who I think the best five teams are. One, Kansas. Two, Alabama. Three, Baylor. Four, Purdue. And, I mean, Houston, the Houston hate's probably gone a little too far. They're, they're probably still around five. They're still a legitimately good basketball team. Boy, after that, it feels like it really falls off a cliff, doesn't it? Alabama, Kansas, Baylor, Houston, and Purdue are top five. And after that, you're into, like, Texas and Virginia and Arizona. Arizona's probably close to that. Then Arizona really might falls. have the highest ceiling out of those teams, but they might also yeah. have the lowest floor. Right, yeah. After that, it feels like it falls. And UCLA is solid, but, yeah, I think Kansas is going to ultimately be number two, uh, three at the lowest for this game. The TCU Horn Frogs enter at 18 and 9 overall. They're 7 and 7 in Big 12 play, but that record obviously doesn't do them justice cuz they are lethal with their full arsenal of talent. Since beating Baylor and Waco back in the beginning of January to get to 13 and 1 on the year, TCU is just 5 and 8 over the last month and a half. They also beat Kansas by approximately 400 points at Allen Fieldhouse whenever they eclipse their season average in threes in the first 10 minutes. TCU's best player is Mike Miles. He is second only to Jalen Wilson in the conference with 18 points a night. He's a blur in the open court, 
thrives at the basket. He's only 32% shooting from outside, but that's Which never mattered stopped greatly anyone from in the going last four game. or five. Yeah. <laughs> before, uh, also a really good defender. The rest of the backcourt features wings Damian Baugh and Micah Peavy, who combined to average uh, 20 more points while also not being consistent three points, uh, three point shooters. But as uh, as we've already stated, that mattered so much in the first matchup. Oh yeah, Eddie Napkin is the popular name in the front court at 6'11", 260 <laughs> pound center. He averaged a seven six, but has been in and out of the lineup lately with injuries and foul trouble. Emmanuel Miller is the starting four, but he's more of a hybrid three than a true power forward. Miller is a very good player with 13 points and six rebounds per game, and his 46% three point shooting leads the team. Classy and sophisticated Charles Chuck O'Banner Jr. and Jacoby Coles are the only other guys. Uh, so many good names here. on this team. Guys, he's Nick, he's not classy and sophisticated Chuck. He was unclassy and unsophisticated before he changed his name to Charles. Now now therefore he is classy and sophisticated. Did I say Chuck? Yeah, you did say Chuck, which he is. He it's did his go nature by Chuck, at this so. point. He did he did go by that. So here's the TCU scouting report. They they are a weird weird team whenever you look at all of their their metrics. They play very fast, they force a lot of turnovers, they burn everybody in the fast break and they get to the free throw line a lot where they're not very good shooting free throws. They're a good offensive team that gets up a ton of shots and scores almost 80 points per game as a result. Kind of like Iowa State if you made them better at actually shooting the ball. They also lead the nation in fast break points. Their weaknesses are on the defensive glass. They turn it over a lot. They foul a ton. And they are one of the 15 worst teams. This is where we laugh. We throw our heads back in the air and we laugh. But the statistics say... That they are one of the 15 worst teams in all of college basketball with a 29% three-point shooting clip. They had eight makes in their pocket on 15 attempts at Allen Fieldhouse, though. Uh, my dad's bringing me an Eminem McFlurry. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, son. Oh, that's awesome. Man, I like the Eminem McFlurry uh, express. Yeah. We need to make that a regular thing. Yeah, big moves. Uh, Kansas. They are 20 and 4 against TCU. They are 10 and 2 in the last 12 games versus the Horn Frogs. Both of those losses have come in the last calendar year. Uh, one of which, especially notably, because we all freaked out and then they won a championship oh. after that. Oh, jeez. Uh, in 10 all-time trips to Fort Worth, the Jayhawks are 8 and 2. So here's the question, right? Everybody wants to know why is this going to go different. The last game went so bad. Well, two things. One. Kansas, despite the the problem with that game was the first half or the second half, not the first half. Kansas was down ten after watching TCU play an unbelievable half of bounce. TCU played as well in the first half of that game as Kansas did against Baylor in the second half yesterday, and yet Kansas was only down by ten, not twenty nine like Baylor was after that half. The problem was they were so bad in the second half against a team that's usually pretty lackluster on the defensive end, and Kansas has gotten so much better since. Here's why I think this could go KU's way. The Horn Frogs are very talented, and what we saw in Lawrence is definitely going to make a lot of fans do this, remembering that. But TCU hasn't all played together very much. There have been guys that have been in and out of the lineup. They have to still be working their way back into this. And I know Mike Miles played great in a game where they were just slapping Oklahoma State. But how's it going to do whenever he hasn't played a close basketball game in a month and a half? It's going to be a little closer uh, than that Oklahoma State game, I would guess. So we'll see what happens. Lampkin is the guy that gives Kansas a ton of trouble. He's been in and out, and when he's been in, he's been very inefficient because he's still nursing ankle injuries and he fouls a lot. 
if he doesn't have his big game and Kansas doesn't let TCU shoot the lights out of the basketball, I think there's a lot of things in this game that Kansas should really thrive with. They don't turn the ball over very much, which is TCU's best defensive weapon. TCU isn't very good at shooting free throws, so Kansas fouling a lot shouldn't burn you as much as it could there. And Kansas is way better than TCU at putting the ball in the basket from behind the three-point line. If Kansas makes a healthy amount of threes, I think they win this game. The question remains, can they do it? I want some predictions. What do you guys think happens? Biggest game of the year so far. Nick, let me take a couple more bites of my McFlurry. Go first. All right, Nick, lead um, us off. I'm going to say... Mostly because of the last game for TCU, 63% of the three-point line. I was nervous with how bad TCU has been playing uh, in the past five-game stretch or so about what they might do with Mike Miles back. They they were very good with him back on Saturday. But in this game, I really believe that they might – Kansas might catch them at the right time. I say that as KU outscored a team by 30 points in the second half in their last game. <laughs> I do feel like this game could be a little bit of a slugfest. I think that the ball might have trouble going down to the bottom of the hoop uh, for much of this game just because of you know how the trajectories have lined up and Kansas is due to have a poor shooting night after scoring 87 points in back-to-back games. But with that said, uh, like you said, Eddie Lampkin has been ineffective. If Kansas, as good as the guards have been for Kansas, if they can lock down this TCU offense, uh, I don't think TCU is going to really have much of a response for KU, particularly with the emergence since the last meeting of uh, obviously with Ernest Uday and uh, Dewan Harris scoring yep. points. It's a big he one. did not score very many points in the first meeting. I think that changes drastically. Give me Kansas 73, TCU 64. Okay. Wow. Landon, you want to go or you want me to go? No, I got it. Um, Kansas has these games a lot down the stretch in close Big 12 title races. Um. Now, TCU is not the team that's going to surpass them this season. But they often have a game on the road where it's very popular, sexy, upset pick to take the home team against the Jayhawks. And Kansas almost always wins these games. And I think they're going to here as well for that reason. Yeah. This is a yep. Kansas team that very much is going to win the Big 12, in my opinion. They're not the 18-19 team. They're not the, thank goodness, they're not the 2021 team. Hmm. Which was better than the 19 team. Um, debatable. But this is a very good team for Kansas. Um, also, Ryan's logic of two good teams play each other. The road team wins the first matchup. And then um, they in the rematch, uh, the team that lost wins. I like that logic a lot here as well. I think this is going to be a really good game. Uh, and I think Jalen Wilson or Grady Dick or Dewan Harris maybe has their kind of Devontae Graham-esque moment. Devontae Graham against Texas Tech-esque moment, to be specific. Um, And they win a heartbreaker for the Horned Frogs. Yep, that's exactly what I think happens. Uh, Bill Self teams that are this good, uh, they don't normally lose twice to the same team. And normally in the rematches, as you said, this is kind of the game that KU, once a year, late February, they go down and they win it and they go, oh, they're going to win the Big 12 again, aren't they? That solidifies it. And they're not losing the home games. They're not going to lose to West Virginia or Texas Tech at home. If they lose that, then then great. We got it wrong. But you can't expect that. So if Kansas wins this game, I think they're going into the finale against Texas with a, with a minimum of the, the regular season title share clinched. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But yes, I agree. I think Kansas wins 77 to 73. I think it'll be a very entertaining game. Ultimately, I trust Kansas in this spot because I've seen them win this game in this exact spot before. Haven't seen TCU do it as much. Give me Bill and the Jayhawks all day. 
Other games around the Big 12. The rankings will all change. Oklahoma State at West Virginia. I will take the Mountaineers to get off the struggle bus here. Same. Oklahoma State. Number 9, Baylor at number 12, Kansas State. K-State's been really good at home, but I don't think it happens here. Give me the Bears on the road to bounce back. Good teams don't lose two in a row. Almost for Kansas earlier this year. Um, yeah, Baylor earlier this year. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take the Bears as well. I am going to take Kansas State. Number 19, Iowa State at number 6, Texas. I actually think Iowa State's a good matchup for Texas. Um, as in, it's a pro Cyclones. And they did beat them by double digits earlier this year. But Texas really didn't play well against OU. I think that this is a game where they play better and they take down the Cyclones. Big talent gap. Yeah, Iowa State, terrible on the road. Give me the Longhorns. Texas. And Texas Tech at Oklahoma. I will take... Ugh, no one's really going to watch this game. I will take... Texas Tech on the road. They lost an overtime at home to this team earlier in the year. I say they get revenge. Yeah, I really can't see OU sweeping. Landon mid Biden to his, his Laurie McFlurry. Uh, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. <laughs> it's M&M, sir. The superior option of those two. Mm-hmm. No, Oreo's better. Oreo's not an McFlurry. better. When not you're mixing McFlurry. candy into an ice cream, it's better to have the Oreo. The, the thing about Oreo McFlurries that makes it so good is that that cream filling gets mixed in with the, the sugary taste of the ice cream and just melts in your, on your tongue. That's the, that's the best part about the Oreos. Next time on a little crunchy and a little soft. His tongue, I'll remember that. Next time on Inside the Paint, how the hell did we all get diabetes? Find out on the next <laughs> podcast. Other hey, games. I don't, I don't really eat sugars anymore, so. Number 10, Tennessee at Texas A&M. I'll take the Vols. They've been struggling here, but I think they're better, even though they're ranked lower. Give me the Aggies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Texas A&M. Number 15, Miami going on the road and playing Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, all they do is beat good teams. But I think Miami's the best team in the ACC, and they need this to win a conference. So I will take them to win on the road. Put your right leg in and shake it all about. Do the hokey pokey. Give me Virginia Tech. (laughs) (laughs) Miami. Number 11, Marquette. At number 18, Creighton. Uh, The Blue Jays have played pretty well recently. I'll take them at home. Yep, same. Creighton. Number 14, Indiana hits the road to play Michigan State. I will take the Spartans. It'll be an emotional first home game since everything that happened on that campus. I think they win. Spartans by 20. Oh. All right. And Kentucky at Florida. How much do you want to believe in John Calipari's squad? Here's a hint. I don't, Florida. I was going to take Florida too. Kentucky. Next show will be Thursday night, and then it's back-to-back home games. Only three games left after TCU. If Kansas can get this Horn Frog game done and they win their last two home games, then I think they're going to be flying high heading into the finale in Austin. going to be fun. This is Inside the Paint. I'm Ryan Landreth. I am Landon Fields. And I'm Oreo McFlurry. The inferior option, I must add, between the two McFlurries. All right, somebody say goodbye. Somebody say goodbye to Nick knowing that uh, Oreos are worse than M&M's. By the Nick being 18 games back in Pick'em, and here's the Nick being at least 20 games back in Pick'em. By the Landon, who puts all of the stock of his life on a score in a, in, in a podcast that should have been ended three years ago. Oh, you take that back. <laughs> now the gloves are coming off, sir. Yeah, this is a very sad, sad loss. Bye.